Uh, speaking of Communion Sunday, because it's Communion Sunday, we will be looking at a psalm this morning. But um, we'll break bread with one another this morning. And it wasn't so long ago that somebody asked me, why do we only celebrate communion once a month? And I thought that was a good question. And perhaps some of you have had that question before. So I thought I'd just spend a minute or two and answer that question. Uh, communion is a sacrament like baptism in the church. And there's things that God commands churches to do. But the sacrament of communion, there is no particular time or quantity of times that we are commanded to practice it. And so some churches only practice the Lord's Supper maybe once a year. It's just not that important to them. And then others break bread every single time they gather. And so there's freedom there for churches to make that decision. And uh, the reason that we do it once a month and leadership has talked about this over the years. And there's times when we've done it before. I mean, more than once a month. There's times where we've done it less than once a month. But we just think for our church, for our people, uh, that this is a good, healthy balance because we don't do it so much that it just becomes going through the motions. And we don't even we just thoughtlessly come together, God forbid, and and partake of the Lord's Supper. We don't want that to happen. And yet we don't want to do it so infrequently that it's not special to us and we kind of lose uh, the meaning in it. So just for us at this point in, in our church season, we think that once a month is a is the good balance for us to come together and really, really appreciate the way it happens and 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 to appreciate God's presence in breaking bread. So that's really all there is to it. And um, why we do it once a month, so just in case you ever were wondering about that. <clears throat> and along with that. Communion Sunday is also a time where we chose to, to, to break off of our regular Bible book that we are studying in Matthew or whatever it is and then do something a little different. So we get different perspectives on God's word. And this year we've been doing the Psalms. Um, and I have after today, I will have preached 13 sermons on 11 Psalms and two of the Psalms I doubled up on. That's why it's not equal. Today, we're going to look at Psalm 16, if you want to turn your Bibles there. But we're just going to look at the first three verses of this psalm. And my my hope in looking at these verses is that as a result, that we, we will leave this place today with a greater appreciation of the saints of New Covenant Fellowship. With, with a greater awareness and appreciation of exactly who it is. That God has called us to do covenant life together with. We come Sunday after Sunday to worship together. And our main priority, of course, is to exalt the name of Christ. That's what we want to do. We we want our attention. You know, the, the world can distract us from things, but we want at least at this hour or two. Or three, however long we happen to go on any given Sunday. We want our attention to be focused on primarily God. And so we come together and we gather and and we do that. But have we ever considered or do we sometimes lose sight of the importance of who it is that God has called here for us to be attentive to him. For us to listen 
to him. Who is it that we're surrounded with? What saints has God surrounded us with, in other words, to worship him? Who is that behind you? With their Bible open in their lap. Who is that to your right that may be going hmm during the sermon and take frantically taking notes? Whose voice do you hear in front of you? Who are these saints and what effect should they have on our lives as we worship God together? That's what I want to look at this morning. And is it okay to enjoy each other's presence? Is it okay to be excited about not just coming to focus on God, but to be excited about the people that God has called to be our church team? They're not on this church team or that church team, but you are here because God has called you to be on this church team. And is it okay to be excited about that? That's what I want to explore this morning, because it is possible that perhaps maybe we are missing If we're not mindful of looking out for these kind of things, perhaps we're missing a tremendous blessing that God has for us. And it's already here. We just didn't or weren't mindful of it. So I want to read the first three verses in Psalm 16. Psalmist says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So you understand now about the the result, I hope, or the effect I hope this passage has. Here's the main truth I want us to walk away with today, and that is... uh, To state it in in a way, the people of God or people need people who have been around God. The people of God, or you could say the people of God need people who have been around God, who love God, who cherish God, who live for God. So with that in mind, let's unpack a few of these verses. And my first point, and I know the points aren't in the bulletin because I didn't submit them in time. I'm still kind of wrestling with it. But the first point is that delighting in God and delighting in the saints are not in competition. And I like the way the psalmist starts this. You know, these these saints of God sat just like we do before we write things. We think about what we want to write. What is in my heart? What is it I want to say? And so he's thinking about this and he's penning these inspired words. And he takes refuge in God. And as he thinks about the refuge that he has taken in God, he realizes, you know, kind of like sometimes we come to bottom line conclusions. You know, Lord, as I take I'm taking refuge in you, I realize That any good that has come into my life has come from you. There's nothing good that I have that has not come from your hands. And then you expect him to kind of continue along this thought and then then say, therefore, all of my delight is in you. And he doesn't say that. And it kind of took me off guard a little bit as I read the song, because then he he says, In essence, as I look out into the land, I see all the saints. 
My, I take great, great delight in them. And you think, whoa, did you just rob God of his due honor? Did you just rob God of his glory? Is, shouldn't only God have that place of joy and delight in your heart? And I think what it is, is that as he is acknowledging God as his utmost priority, only God is worthy. And ultimately, we get all of our joy and delight from God. He's realizing that one of the goods that God has brought into his life are the saints that are in his life. The saints that God has put into his life. He realizes they are a tremendous a resource or source of joy and delight as he pilgrims through this world in his worship of God. And so in this psalm, he places a very high value on the saints of God because they love God, because they are saints of God. And he sees that as God's goodness. A saint is simply someone who has been set apart in Scripture. You don't make yourself a saint. You don't work yourself to sainthood. God calls you to be a saint by making you holy and setting you apart. It's just an act of God's divine grace. And then the psalmist calls these saints, um, my version says, excellent ones. They're the excellent ones. It's, uh, they're the noble ones. They're the majestic ones. They're the chieftains of the land. And the psalmist is saying to, to watch them to know that they're there, to know what they believe in, to know what they stand for, and then to watch them live it out, to watch their faith in action, and to be a surrounded by that, is a tremendously uplifting, joyful experience for me. Now, what makes them a delight is their love and trust in God, obviously. The way they love him, the way they commit to him, the way they devote themselves to him, the way they're having their devotions and what's coming out of it. The fruitfulness that that bubbles out of this love that they have for God is an encouragement to him. The way they strive to walk with him, the way they try to overcome their obstacles by keeping their eyes on him, the way they're struggling not to be overcome by fears and temptations. All of these things are a tremendous encouragement. Meant to him. So he values them greatly because of how much they value God. And that's a huge blessing to him. The things they bring to the table, the things they bring to the team, if you will, is a huge blessing to him. Do we delight? Not just in God, God primarily, but the, the whole experience of doing life together in church, in community group, in any group, in any gathering. Do we delight in one another as God intends? The potential that God has for us there to, to be this uh, another means of blessing us through the Spirit. I think sometimes we, we go to church and... Um, or somebody new, you maybe been going to church for a while, or somebody new will, will come to church. And, and I think rightly so. We try to find things in common. Um, and so, you know, if, if you and I have the same occupation, we have 
something that we can enjoy a conversation about. Um, if we enjoy the same hobbies, uh, perhaps, you know, I'm going through a season where I have young children, you're going through a season. So there's a lot of things in common. But if we don't have those kind of things in common, we think to ourselves perhaps, well, I don't have anything in common with that person. So there's nothing that I can really give them or there's nothing that I can gain from them. And I think that the psalmist would, would hint at if, if, we, if we start it there and end it there, we're not really thinking as biblically as we should. Because what he has found in the saints is this incredible bond of brotherhood and oneness. This incredible mentality of interdependence and, and teamwork. And it is because they're saints too. It's because that they have been called out by God's sovereign grace and put here in his sphere of life to do life together. Because that, that makes them have more in common than anything you could possibly have common on earth. The fact that we have indwelling spirit, the fact that we serve the same heavenly father, the fact that he speaks the exact same words to us in his word. We hear the exact same stories. He comforts us with the exact same compassion. He gives us the exact same power from the, the very same source. We have the exact same mission, meaning and purpose in life. How much more can you have in common than that? So to have in common things of this world is wonderful. But this commonality that we have in Christ, the oneness that with which God brings us together is is a, a commonality or bond that supersedes all the things of this world. It's it's a supernatural bond and he's doing he wants the same things from us. He's doing the same thing in us, the exact same purpose. You can't get any closer than that. There can't be a greater oneness than that, not to mention the fact that we are one with Christ. Together and that when you are saved, you you he puts you he doesn't just save you and then leave you out in the world. He puts you in a particular family to nurture you a little nursery to nourish you and to grow you. So things help. It helps to have these things in common by all means, the, the, the worldly things, the, the certain friendships, great friendships are. Or form because of the things. But when it gets right down to it, no matter what your favorite color is, uh, no matter if you're an animal lover or an animal hunter, uh, no matter if you're an intellect or a redneck, you know, no matter if you're male or female or you're, you're black or white, God has this sameness. We delight in all things God. He, he has... He's working the same supernatural transforming power in our hearts. He's divvying out the same joy from the same source. And so there's that bond there. He expects, this, he expects us all to respond in likeness this morning with obedience and faithfulness to whatever it is that he says to us. So we're on the same team, we're, under, we're in the same training camp, we're in the same courtroom, we're in the same classroom, um, we're, we're under the same protection, we're in the same kingdom, under the same king. There is a oneness there that I think is a tremendous source 
of delight. Because we can delight in all things God. We can delight in the same things. I have good friends that have are in the same kind of occupations or, or have the same hobbies. And we could talk all day about those things and enjoy it. But I can't talk to them about the things of God. They don't understand it. They're, they're, they haven't been brought into the kingdom of light. And these are the most important things. These are the things I'm taking to heaven with me. A lot of other things are just going to stay here and, and uh, be annihilated or deteriorate. We delight in how God transforms us. We delight in the work of God with one another because it encourages us to see what God is doing in our hearts. You know, when, when, when I hear people, when you hear people... In our midst, during our times of prayer, sometimes pray, God, the thing I want most is you. I want to turn my life over to you. God, I give you this heavy, heavy burden I've been carrying. I give my anxieties to you. And we watch people do this and we wrestle with them and struggle with them. Or maybe just stand back and watch. It builds us up. It edifies us. It's a source of joy to us. And all we did is maybe take the time to observe it or take the time to listen what God is doing in one another's life. So the psalmist is saying that our fellow saints are intended by God to be a source of goodness, to be a source of joy, to be a source of delight to us. I've already Wandered into my first point, so I might as well go ahead and make it official. So let's look at three ways this comes to light or three ways that this is practiced practically. The first is joy reflected. Uh, The second is joy gained. And the third is joy given, if you want to put your um, outline there. So joy reflected. We already read in the book of Matthew Chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says to those that are gathered at the Sermon on the Mount, Likewise, or in the same way, let your light shine before all men, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we have the attitude, the attitudes that Scripture tells us to carry around with us, to, to pack in our minds... When we think the way that God tells us to think, when we do what God tells us to do, we are a reflection of God. We're we're images of God, but we're really bright, powerful images of God. Of course, the more God-like we are. And when we are that way, what it does, it's it's a beautiful reflection of people seeing what God is doing, seeing the goodness, this this attitude that transcends the world, and it reflects it right up so that God gets the glory. So it's this mirror. And we, we take delight in one another as we watch one another get that close to God or get closer and closer to God. We're all at different starting points. But any step toward the kingdom of God is a wonderful, amazing thing. It's a supernatural thing. To grow in Christ at all is a supernatural thing. It's not just something that we can do on our own. And so as we watch people conquer sins and overcome sins as we watch victory after victory we glean we glean from that but also it offers glory to God and we rejoice in that we rejoice in each other's 
growth and, and marvel at what God is doing. The, the beauty of an act of forgiveness. We have witnessed people extend forgiveness to one another. We've, which, we've witnessed God's wisdom flow through a, a brother or sister. We've, we've witnessed God's power. We've witnessed God's ability to offer um, compassion when we think this is it. I have no more reason. We've watched God shine hope into darkness where there was no hope. In people's lives and change them as a result. Help them go get over these speed bumps that we have as we pilgrim through. We see this beauty and it offers glory to God as we yield our lives to him. As we just offer our bodies as living sacrifices. It's a tremendous source of joy that we have for one another. And that's what we want to happen as we gather Small or big in our church services, in our community groups, in our fall festivals, in our Bible studies, any kind of gathering, big or small, that we have our retreats. This is what we we want to look for, the kind of delights that we want to look for. It's God lived out in us. It's what makes us different. It's possible for groups to get together and share burdens. Possible for people to get together, share burdens, talk about the hardships of life, pat each other on the back with words of encouragement. It'll be okay. You'll get through this. Uh, Maybe even say, hey, I'll help you out. It's very common in this world. Uh, You can see it happen at the local bar any day of the week. And you can hear even Christ's name mentioned, but it's usually not in the proper context. It's usually... Some kind of form of a curse. But but God's not in that. It's it's, the aim isn't to glorify God. The aim isn't this is an act of worship for me to be friends with you and encourage you or pray for you. God's not in it. So it's not the same. There's no spiritual element to it. And God doesn't get the glory when nobody cares about him. And they're just encouraging one another with worldly means. That can happen. But there's no delight in it. Paul would call that carnal. So we take delight in the saints of God as they reflect him and bring Christ to bear in each other's lives. And secondly, uh, joy gained. So joy reflected and joy gained. I think obviously if I answer the question, have you ever experienced a sense of spiritual joy and uplifting and encouragement as a result of being in the midst of the saints? I'm sure you would say yes. And sometimes it's just amazing how God uses us in each other's lives. And sometimes it may be immediate. Like you would be amazed at how many times people have come to me and said, When such and such shared that that praise or they shared that testimony of what was going on in their lives or they they shared that struggle or they shared what happened out on the mission field or what happened here. The the hair on the back of my neck was standing straight up. I mean, God was just man. It was incredible how the spirit is using people in this body. You never know. And this is just the times that people tell me most of us are private and secret about it. You never know the result that your participation in this body has on other believers. But 
with, with the spirit behind it, wanting to use it to grow us, then you know that God is doing a whole lot more here than we ever know about. And so sometimes the results are immediate. You hear the exact word you, or, or sermon illustration. You hear what you need. You, you came expecting God to speak and you go home full. He met that need, whatever it was that you came. Because you came listening for it. Your ears were perked. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes the joy that is gained as a result of being in the presence of the saints is deferred. Um, you know, if, if we lived in a perfect world, we would all come equally hungry and passionate for God. I mean, just open, hearts wide open, mouths wide open like little birdies. God, I just need you. I want you. I'll take any kind of crumb. And that would be wonderful. And we're, we're aiming for that. But in real life, we're not there. And so sometimes some of us come to greet uh, meeting, small group, whatever, and somebody says, how you doing? And it's kind of, you just blah. You just blah. And we just have to admit it about ourselves. Our hearts are not always, the burner's not always turned on high. Sometimes we're, we're lukewarm. I've been there. I know you've been there. It's just kind of, well, you, go to, you go to community group. Blah. My life is blah. It says it all. I'm in that place of blah. And so, um, you know, we just move on with church, whatever. Perhaps you go there and somebody knows you're in blah. And so they give you a word of admonishment and you don't appreciate it. Or they know you're in blah and so they come and they give you a word of encouragement. But you're in blah. So what is encouragement when you're in blah? You don't really hear it. You don't receive it. And usually, inevitably, because people, your friends in Christ, know you're in blah, then they're going to pray for you. So they pray for you, and then you go home, and, you know, nothing's changed, whatever. And then maybe a couple days later, maybe a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months later, all of a sudden, there's this little stir in your spirit. And something comes to your mind, and you think, you know, now, now I remember what, what such and such said to me or admonished me with. Or now those words of encouragement come to me. Hmm. You know, I'm just going to open my Bible today. I hadn't even opened it for months, but I'm going to open it today. And then you open it. And then you start reading and then God's word comes alive to you again. And maybe even you see a little note that you wrote yourself of how awesome God was and what he was doing in your life. And all of a sudden you just your heart explodes with joy. The, the prayers of those saints are being answered in your life. We don't always know when it's coming. And I'm not saying, hey, it's a good thing to be in the ball in the land of law. By any means, it's not a good thing. We need to overcome it. But this happens. And God uses the saints in that way. So we can gain joy in that sense. All things God encourages. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak and be patient with them all. Which means at any given time, according to Scripture, 
in a group of saints, there may be somebody who's in the category of idol, which it might be blah, might be lukewarmness. They're not they're not being aggressive or passionate about living for Christ or they're not working. They're being passive. There could be another group of saints. They're faint hearted. Man, that's not a good place to be either, to be faint hearted, to to feel like I just don't have any strength to take another step. And then also weak. At any given time, there could be among a group of saints, those that are weak. And what's the remedy for those groups of people? An admonishment. An encouragement. And an act of help. In the body of Christ. When the saints gather together. But in the end, because you were in the presence of God with the saints of God, in a way that only God can do, he met a particular need, a ministry need that you had in your life. So the, the, the people of God need to be around people who are around God. And then lastly, joy given. So we can reflect joy. We can gain it from others. We can also give it. Not just receive it, but give it. If you ever left, uh, I'm sure you have, you've left a gathering knowing that you have gained something tremendous, whether through the preaching of the word, Sunday school lesson, individual brother or sister brought you to the side and spoke some kind of word. You've had your need met, you've been ministered to. But have you ever left church knowing that God particularly used you to speak life into a brother and sister of Christ? Used you that day, at that moment, at that service, at that gathering to cause spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is an amazing thing. Do you know how hard it is to grow spiritually? It is hard because you have to die to self. And you have to think contrary to the flesh. It's hard. And God used you to say something or do something. And this person received it and they took it in. And they thanked you for it. And you just helped them overcome something. In exactly the way they needed it. When you do that, the kingdom literally just grows. It's like another light going on in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom... Of God reigns and rules in our heart, right? It's God's ownership and kingship in our heart. And you were just used by him to water somebody. Now, is that, is that, does that bring joy to your heart when you know in your weakness that God just used you for the, to make progress in the kingdom? Whether it was simple or grand. Grace was imparted because God put grace in your heart. He imparted into you something and you shared it and the kingdom grew. And that saint is now a little better saint in the grace of God. When the believers grow, the kingdom grows. God is after uh, big hearts, growing hearts, as we've learned in the Sermon on the Mount. Hearts filled with love, even for our enemies, hearts that give more. That go the extra mile. Go beyond the standards and even the greatness of what the world has to offer. To give. We give what 
God has invested in us to give. And he will give us to invest. The first day you're a believer, you have something to offer the world. The hope of God, the gospel, the message of salvation, the delight that he has brought into your heart. So we can we can give that we can give people the gospel. We can give them the spiritual gifts that God has imparted in us. We can give them our story, our experience. Maybe it happened a long time ago and we know You know, maybe they need to hear this in this stage of life. There's so much that God has imparted to us that we can offer one another. And it's not based on having the same job or the same hobbies. It's based on our oneness in Christ. And it's always interesting how the the king of the world and the kingdom of God really clash. You know, the more you read scripture, the more you realize how the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God clash and then... Ultimately, the more you realize, I have more of the world in me than I realized I had. That's what happens to me anyway. But the, the, the world, the principle of the world is, look, use people to get what you want. Take everything you can from them. If, if they're weak, that's your opportunity to use your strength to take a little bit of what they have to, to build yourself up. If they're faint hearted. You know, if, if they're depressed, if, if there's a weakness in their work, you can get their job. And we use people as resources as if you're there to make me a better person and to build myself up. So, yeah, it's expected in the world. That's why people are always looking behind their backs and they don't really trust each other. Because they know that that's probably going to happen. We just know that we're going to try to one-up each other. And yeah, and the kingdom of God says, it's not a, it's, that's not where the real blessing is. The world says that's where you're, finally your soul will be at rest. If you can just get a little higher, a little better. That's where your rest is. And the kingdom of God says that's not where your rest is. Actually, the greater joy is when you give. That's the absolute Greater joy, Acts twenty thirty five. In all things, the Apostle Paul says, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. World says you want the true blessing, receive, 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 right? That's what we're tempted to do. God says, if you want the real blessing, the lasting blessing, the more give Give more. And by the way, where did Jesus say that in the Gospels? You ever read it? I haven't. It's not in the Gospels. So critics say, ah, Paul stepped out of line here. Jesus never said that. And then you read where, well, actually Paul didn't get the Gospel and the teaching of Jesus from the other Apostles. He got it directly from Jesus. He was in Jesus' classroom. The revelation came to him directly. Galatians 1.12, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The Jesus said it. Direct quote. Give, and you'll be the one to leave the meeting. You'll be the one to go home with the greater blessing. Now, if we really believed it as... uh, Corky used the word in Sunday school this morning. <clears throat> it's easy to profess God. It's easy to say what we believe. But how does it really function in your life? 
If we really believe this principle, how would it function in our lives? Would we show up for whatever kind of meeting really expecting others to minister to me? Because, man, that's what I need. Then I can go home happy. Or do we come with the mindset, if I really want the blessing that lasts, I'm going to look for ways to give. I'm going to look for ways God used me to impart in my brothers and sisters. So rather than coming and waiting, you know, and this happens. We, we're all guilty of this a lot of times. We, we come, we wait for somebody to just come up to us and say something kind. Somebody just to be glad that we're here. Somebody to reach out. Somebody to pray for us. And if, if they don't, well, we go home, we think, well, there's another Sunday and nobody even cares about me. Nobody said a single word. And so I'm obviously not a happy person. They didn't even smile at me. No courtesy. And we can do that, but we can't expect to experience the greater joy that Jesus is talking about because we're just passive recipients. We're just dependent on others for our joy. And that Jesus, I think, almost baits us with these words. And he says, look, yeah, you can. I mean, if you're going to do that, whatever. But if you really want to experience joy in your life, if that's really what you want, here's a better way to get it. And it's a way that's actually in your control because it's a decision that you can make that's not passive where you're waiting for others to interact in your life. It's where you take the initiative by the power of the Spirit and receive the joy of bringing joy into others' lives. The gospel has a way of turning our thinking back straight in the upright position where it needed to be all along. So if we believe this to be true. Then perhaps we might show up for church, small group gathering, a meeting that we have with the saints with, with, with some kind of prayer. Lord, what can I say to be a blessing to somebody? I'm going here. What can how will you use me? What can I say? Open my eyes to the needs of my saints that are around me. What have you taught me this week that I can impart in someone else if the door opens wide for me to do? So it's an entirely different attitude. Is there wisdom? Is there grace? Is there a prayer? Is there a word? Help me to look for needs. Lord, take away the critical spirit that judges everybody else for what they didn't do for me. And help me to actually look for ways to build them up. And experience that greater Joy, help me to see ways that I can serve them rather than go home with a list of ways I wasn't served. Kingdom principle and therefore bring joy in their lives. Apostle Paul said to the church, the saints in Rome, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He, he couldn't get, wait to get there because he wanted to experience that joy of giving. Man, I just, I, I have so much to share with you that I, I know will build you up. He says um, that later on in Romans, strive together with me in your prayers that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Enjoying the saints. 
He's not just excited about seeing God or wants to go off into his prayer closet. He wants to see God in the midst of his saints. And then to the church in Corinth, he says, our mouth is open to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide. Widen your hearts also. Open your hearts to us. So Paul is taking delight in God in people. People that have been around God, they, they're glowing, so to speak. They're that light that shines. They're salty. And he benefits from the mission of God being accomplished. And that's how our joy is made full. So one of the best things that we can do for our fellow saints is to be around God. To be that person that's around God a lot, that spends a lot of time with God, that's in tune with God. And therefore in tune with how God will use us in each other's lives. So who is that saint behind you? Who's that voice that you hear? Why is that saint singing a little louder today than usual? What's going on in their lives? Who is in front of you? Who are those people that take notes? Who are those ones that are saying, hmm, when somebody says something? Like, God just, yep, God just spoke to me. What did he speak to you? I want to learn it. I want to know it. Who in here will God use to grow me and therefore grow the kingdom? Is it possible that we overlook these kind of teachings? Is it possible that we might come here and actually take each other for granted? Take the power of, of the transforming power of God in each other's lives for granted? And miss out on the amazing transformation that's taking place and the growth that's taking place. Who has God brought here to be a source of joy or better yet? Who has God brought here today in which I can impart, hopefully, something that will be a blessing to them in their life? You know how God works. It's amazing. He knows every single heart in here. There could be somebody in here, we don't even know it, and they are at their wit's end. So we want to have the expectation that God's going to use me every time we come with the saints, because that's how he grows the church. An amazing thing. Somebody's story, somebody's testimony about parenting, about marriage. There's so much wealth here because God is such a big God. He's such a forgiving God. So because of God, who it, because of who God is, we're so blessed to have the people that stay. We're blessed to have had people come and then go. We gain from them. And because of who God often brings to our body, we even have people coming and going from all over the world. We have people from all over the world coming into this fellowship. And we have people from this fellowship going out into all the world. And so there's a tremendous resource here of growth through the spirit and steadfastness. So can we take this to heart and, if necessary, change the way we look at the goodness of God? And if necessary, change the way we maybe look at our gatherings? Change the way we even come to a gathering? Change the way we look at each other? A brother and sister that we worship and do covenant life side by side. 
The people of God need people who are around God. May that be our goal. So now, may God bless the preaching of his word. And I look forward to worshiping with you. And I look forward to breaking bread with you this morning.